0: So welcome to this episode Episode with Radio Awesome, and today I have James Friel with me, and uh, he's an expert in how to build team, how to build structure in companies, how to build uh, yeah processes and structure and get things to um, to work in uh, in companies, and especially for you who are an entrepreneur and you maybe are in a place where you're going to hire a first, second, and third person. I think what we're going to speak about today, it's... Uh, it's amazing. Uh, I, lo- I I just love to listen to James, and um, I've been doing it a couple of times uh, when I've, I've been in a mastermind to listen to him, and I also did some for our mastermind client, and he also been. Uh, Working with um, Russell Bronson and a lot of other uh, big uh, marketers who are here helped to get uh, systems in the business. So, and I know you are really busy. So I'm so grateful that you can do this. So thank you for being here and can do this podcast with me.
1: Absolutely, it's awesome to be here. I'm excited to dig in and uh, unpack all of this stuff. I think that in terms of business growth, you know, the first the first thing that everybody looks at is. And rightly so is like, we got to get sales, right? We got to get sales. We got to get customers. We got to figure out how we're generating leads and all of these things. Um, and as soon as, as soon as that starts working, then there's this like moment where you say, wait a second, I've got this whole other thing that I got to figure out, right? I got to figure out, I can't do everything myself. So how am I going to start bringing in people to help me? I can't, um, I can't expect everybody to be a mind reader. So how am I going to delegate? How am I going to? make sure that things are getting done the right way. How am I going to build systems um, so that things work without me having to be involved or micromanaging or, you know, checking everybody's work and all those things. And so these, these, um, these things that uh, hopefully we're going to talk about today are not um, uncommon. And I know that when I first was going through this, I started my companies uh, about 11 years ago and I, I was in the middle of it all. And, you know, I just felt overwhelmed and stressed out. And on top of it, I felt alone because I looked on social media and everywhere else and it looked like everybody else was doing amazing. And I was like, wait, why am I the only one having all these problems? And it uh, turns out everybody has these problems. And so there's nothing to, um, nothing to be concerned about as long as you take action. And so let's, uh, let's unpack it and dig in, man. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and also, like I said to you before we started, I also had some, I thought i start to get control and structure and all this in place. I've been working many years, but uh, as I said, the last six months, I also feel what you're teaching on my, it's something I wake up with every morning and I feel like uh, it's like this delegating. I also know we talk about that, so maybe we can come into that because sometimes I think I'm delegating and I'm giving things away and I'm giving it on the plate and I'm, I'm trusting people to doing it, but in the end, I didn't follow up, and when I didn't follow up, I thought that this was done, and they also reported it was done, but it was not done in the right ways. So there is so much into this thing. Um, yeah. But the first thing I want to ask about: so, how did you? Why did you become an entrepreneur? What happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I guess I guess the truth is I always had uh, a curiosity about being an entrepreneur. Um, my my first my first experience, I'll say I was, uh, I don't know, seven or eight or nine or somewhere, somewhere in that range. And my parents were out of the house. I don't know, they were running errands or something. I stayed, I stayed home and my neighbor came over and he was this, he was this big, uh, big dude from Czechoslovakia. He had this heavy accent and, uh, he knocked on the door and, you know, I'm a little kid and this guy's got big beard and it was like kind of intimidating. And I opened the door. I said, Hey, what's going on? And he just looked at me. He's like, Hey, are your parents home? And I was like, no, they're not home. You know, he's a good friend of our family. And i said, no, they're not home. And I didn't know what else to say. Right. <laughs> I didn't, I felt awkward. I didn't know what kind of conversation to have with him. And, and he looks over to the right and there was my swing set that my parents had bought me years earlier, you know, with the swings and the slide and all that other stuff. And he looked at me and he said, Hey, are you still using that swing set? And, and I wasn't really. And I looked at him and I said, no, I'm not. Do you want to buy it? And he just was like, "Uh, well, how much do you want? And I said, well, make me an offer. And so he paid me 75 bucks and I helped him get it onto his truck. And Um, that was my first experience of making a deal. (laughs) (laughs) And and so, um, so I guess it's been, it's been in my, in my system for, uh, for a really long time, but I didn't necessarily go down that path to begin with. I did more traditional path. I went to college and got a core. I was in the corporate world. I had some amazing corporate jobs for about 10 years, but the whole time I was in my corporate jobs, um, I was doing, I was, I always had like a side hustle. I was, you know, starting a business or investing in real estate or, you know, doing something or other, and finally in 2011 I left and I was just like, I can't take it anymore. I need to be an entrepreneur full time, and so um, that's a little bit about my journey.
0: Mm. And um, and the listeners there they are normally like, uh, a one man show or maybe have the first or second or third. Um, third employee or third outsourcing person or something like that and what i'm hearing is like uh, so and there are also a lot of successful people there or successful entrepreneurs who are listening so successful is like they they have built up their kind of one-man show dream dream thing and have some outsourcing thing and the challenge i'm hearing and it's like they're so afraid to get to to hire people because they are afraid of the uh, yeah, letting things go, and like the big ego is taking them. And so, so what? So, how should they start when they're looking for uh, people and finding the structure? and Like, so because you can't do anything on the on the same time. So, where do you start?
1: It, it's a tough challenge. And you know, there's. I, I think the first thing, the first thing I want to say is the fact that it's it feels scary or feels you you have some level of nervousness about hiring people or you're not sure what to do or whatever is is normal Every, everybody i know from you know when they started f- felt that way and and i would say even even i i have the fortune of working with a lot of really world class entrepreneurs people who are crushing it and i would say even still some people get that feeling of oh my god i don't know should we hire somebody now is now the right time. I'm nervous to let go. Like, I don't think it really ever goes away completely. You just learn to manage it, right? So, so number one, it's important to acknowledge that what you're feeling isn't bad. It's it's normal and it's part it's part of that entrepreneurial journey. And um, and so there's no, there's there's nothing wrong because you're feeling that way. And the 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 piece, the piece about it that I think is really. Critical to understand is that uh, at some point, whether it's because you've got too much work to do, you're working too many hours, you have a big goal or a big vision or whatever it is, at some point you're going to realize, I really can't do this on my own. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and it's true. You, nobody has built anything really amazing on their own. Everybody gets help from so many different people, whether it's you know, people that are advisors and mentors, people that are just you know friends and part of their entrepreneurial community, people that are contractors, full time employees, like whatever. None of us do it on our own. So the idea that we're going, like we're going to be the ones to do it on our own, is um, it's not only not true, it also slows you down, and mm-hmm. and so it's important to recognize that there's some mindset stuff, um, and I I don't really like to say mindset because I feel like a lot of people just you know, think that it it's not real or whatever, but there are, there are some things, uh, ways of thinking and um, thought processes that I think are helpful. And one is you're not, you're not alone. And two is that you're never going to do anything all on your own anyway. And so if we know those things to be true, now we have to look and we have to say, all right, well, how do I, how do I move forward knowing those things? Okay. It's okay mm-hmm. to be nervous and I'm not going to do everything on my own. And, and the very first thing that I would do if um you know, I'm, I'm sharing with somebody who's in that position is something I call the big five. And the big five is really looking at the intersection between things that you love to do things that you're good at and things that move the business forward and make money. The, the intersection of those, those things are what I call the big five. And what we're looking for is if I spent most of my time focusing on these top 5 things that were things i love, things i'm good at, things that need to move, that move the business forward. What are those things? And and so first write write those things down. Right for you it could be i really love speaking or for somebody else it could be i really love, you know, doing videos on social media. For somebody else it could be i do love you know, project management and organizing things. It doesn't matter what, what it's, it's unique to you. And that's, what's really important. And once those big five things are written down, then draw, like literally draw a line under the, under the list. And now start writing down all of the other things that you're doing. Like, what else are you doing that are not those big five? And this is, this is based on a principle uh, that I call forced displacement. And I'll share another quick story from uh from when I was a kid. We we didn't have a lot of money growing up, and we got a new refrigerator once. And it was a refrigerator that had the, the ice and the water in the door. And I was so excited about this. I was like, man, we're getting a new fridge. Now I'm just gonna be able to put my cup in the door and we get ice and water. <clears throat> and the first time we got it set up, I went to the fridge, filled up my cup to the top with water, and then I pushed the button for ice. And then I pushed, and then the ice fell in, and all the water spilled out. And I was like, "Oh wait, I guess I should have put the ice in first before I put the water in, right?" But the (laughs) the the ice displaced the water, and Mm. in the same way, we need to displace the things that you shouldn't be doing with the things that you should be doing. And the best way to do that is to focus on what is it that I'm doing that's driving the business. What is it? That I'm doing that I absolutely love. What is it that I'm really good at? I'm uniquely qualified to do. And let's put a target and focus on those things, and then start writing down all the other things so that we can figure out how to delegate those things, and we can have a systematic approach. So I'll I'll just pause there. There's there's more to it, but I want to um, I want to see if that's if that's landing.
0: One of the toughest thing I had with delegation over the last six months is to just give things away and not follow up because I was thinking, okay, let people, like, let's them, let them get the responsibility and let me not micromanagement and think I'm a control freak. On the other side, when I started to delegate, I think I was on the other side. I was like control freak, checking in on everything. Uh, and um, and I think that's where entrepreneurs start to be more like, uh, and it, at least it's like what I heard from many entrepreneurs, like, Oh, I'm delegating, and it takes a week, and I will do it in one day. So, like, so how, how, how? What is your experience with delegation, and how should we delegate in a good way that uh, you get it done without feeling micromanagement and still have control?
1: Yeah, man, that's we we could probably talk for three days on this one question, <laughs> um, but but the the I'll, I'll share a couple things that hopefully will be helpful. The fir- the first one is. You're never going to be able to delegate to the wrong person. If, if you don't have the right person who's the right fit for what you're asking them to do, it won't, it won't matter how well you delegate, right? So the conditions for delegation are, uh, are assumed that we're delegating to somebody who can actually get it done. And this goes back to how, how do we hire people and making sure that they have the skill and the desire to do the job that we're asking them to do. And, and so um, being, being really, really clear that we're hiring the right people for that particular role is important, right? If you have somebody <clears throat> that you know who is an amazing artist, right? They're good at you know, coming up with ad creatives or they're good at visual design or something and you delegate to them, oh, I want you to do my taxes, it doesn't matter how good you are at delegating, the taxes are not going to get done the right way. Okay. Mm. So, the, mm. so the very first thing is we got to recognize that it's our job to make sure we're delegating to the people that have the highest likelihood of getting the thing done that needs to mm. be done. And I think mm. when we're, I'd say at, at almost every stage of business, there's this period of overwhelm in the beginning. It's because it's just you in the middle, it's because now it's you and some other people, but there's a ton of stuff going on when you're scaling, there's other problems and all this other stuff. And so our reaction in many times is just like, let's let's get this. I want to I want to deal with this instantly. And I want to just get it off my plate and give it to somebody. And sometimes we pick the wrong people to give it to. And so <laughs> one, that's that's a, a really critical factor, but two. Let's say that we do have the right person to delegate to. Like we've, we've interviewed, right? We've figured out what role we need. <clears throat> we've hired them correctly. All of those things, we've onboarded them. Now, when we're delegating, the number one most important thing is that we've got to be really clear in our own minds and with that other person, what does success look like with this thing that I'm delegating? Like, how are we both going to know that this is successful? And most of the time, we wish that we hired mind readers, right? We wish that we hired people who could read our mind, who just automatically know what we want them to do or what, we, what a vision looks like. And so we give it to them and they think they did a good job. And then we look at it and we say, that's nothing like what I wanted. And then they say, but you never told me what you wanted. And mm-hmm. that's on us. Right? So being incredibly clear on what success looks like, what does the outcome look like that we really want is, is critical. And then in, as part of that, I would say step three really is now that, now that we're clear on what good looks like, then it's three things. What exactly are we asking them to do? Who are we asking to do the thing? And when does that thing need to be done by And so if we're clear on those three things, assuming we have the right person and we know what the ultimate vision for that is, then with who's doing it, what's getting done and when's it getting done by, that really increases the odds of success that we're delegating properly.
0: And you say uh, finding the right person. So can you tell me a little bit about hiring process on how you do it and how we recommend people to do the hiring process?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, have you ever played the game of Tetris where the little bricks fall from the sky? So I think, I think of hiring a lot like Tetris. And when you're playing that game, you've got like the long skinny piece, you've got the square piece, you've got the L, the jagged shaped L piece. So let me ask you like, which, which of those pieces is the best piece? It's kind of a trick question, right? Hmm. Because... There's no piece that's better or worse. It's what piece fits the spot that I'm trying to fill, yeah. right? Yeah. And so when we're hiring, what I've made some of the biggest mistakes possible hiring, mm-hmm. right? Because I would see somebody that I said, oh man, that person's amazing. Let me hire them because then they're going to be amazing inside of my company. Mm-hmm. But the problem was they weren't the right piece to fit the slot that I needed. And so when we're hiring the work and hiring a significant portion of the work happens before we hire the person. Because if we go back now, if we go back to that big five exercise that I shared a few minutes ago, and we have our big five, and then there's a whole bunch of things below the big five that still need to be done, now now we can be specific about, well, what exactly am I hiring somebody to do, right? Am I hiring somebody to do, you know, my admin and my, and my travel and meeting coordination? Or am I hiring somebody to, you know, run Facebook ads and manage, you know, email management? Or like, what, what exactly am I hiring somebody to do? And so we need to, we need to shape out what is the role that we're hiring for before we go and recruit somebody. Hiring Hmm. is is certainly about people, but before it's about people, it's about roles. It's about what's the responsibilities. Hmm. What are the things that this person's going to need to do in order to contribute the value to the business? Because if we don't do that, we might get somebody who's absolutely amazing, but they could just be the wrong fit for what we need. Right? One of my Hmm. favorite quotes is from Einstein, and he said, If you judge the fish by its ability to climb a tree, it would grow up its entire life thinking it's stupid. And a lot of times, a lot of times we hire fish to try and climb trees in our business instead of saying, wait a second, I need I need somebody who's gonna be able to climb a tree. Let me go find a monkey or whatever, right? And so framing out the role and the need is the absolute first step. And then once we're past that step, now we're going out and we're looking for somebody that we think could be the best possible fit for that spot that we have in our company.
0: I remember I was, um, I think uh, it was for many years ago, I was in uh, Tony Robbins uh, mastermind thing. And uh, we had a meeting in Canada and we was talking with, uh, because I think this is what you're saying now is something important. And there was a guy who had been divorced three times and they say like, oh, I can't find a woman I can live with all the life. And you're sitting 10 people around there, entrepreneurs who really want to help people and say like, you're not specific enough what you want. So you need to write down a list. And I also think like, that's yeah, that's what I'm seeing for myself. Sometimes I think I have created this uh, this position I want, but after two months later or four months, oh, I was not specific enough. So, so do you have any ways to think so we are specific or think about all the things that the person should do or how how look at it like that helps entrepreneur to do this right the, the first time?
1: Yeah, de- well, definitely. So, so this is why that big five exercise is so important is because I want to know, first and foremost, what should you be doing? Like if you're, if you're operating at your best, adding your most value to the business and your zone of genius and things that you really enjoy, like, what should you be doing? And, and now, now let's look at all the other things that need to be done besides that. And let's start grouping them into categories, right? There's going to be some marketing things. There's going to be some sales things, some delivery and fulfillment things, some operational project management type stuff. There's going to be some finance things. Okay, cool. So we've got these chunks of things that we're looking for. And now I need to know, well, what exactly are the things that I need to have done in each one of those areas. And that's and that's really what starts fleshing out a, a job description. And once you get to that point, then you can go online and you can go to, you know, Indeed, you could go to uh, you know, jobs.com, you go to monster.com, you go anywhere and you can start looking at what are what, when other people talk about this type of role, what responsibilities are they talking about? Is there something that I'm forgetting, right? And so you can use some of these things as inspiration to help you put together the role that you need for your own business. But first and foremost, you got to be clear what you need, right? Because if Mm. if I have somebody who's the entrepreneur and they're really good at sales, they really love sales and sales drives the business forward for them, going out and hiring a salesperson right away as their first person, probably not a great idea because then what are they going to do? They, then they're going to do like the, the bookkeeping and the accounting and like all of that. Like I don't I don't want a high powered salesperson worrying about those things. I want the salesperson selling, right? But the, <laughs> but the opposite is true. Let like, Let's say let's say I'm I am the type of business owner who really is just you know all about the finances and numbers and all of those things. I don't want to go out and hire somebody who's going to replace those things that I'm amazing at. That can help drive the business forward maybe I am going to go out and I'm going to find somebody who can sell something. Maybe I am going to go out and find somebody who can generate leads for me and that sort of thing. And so it's not, there's no, what I, what I want to emphasize is that there's a framework to figure out the solution to this, but there's no one answer to who should I hire first, who you should hire first depends on you. And it depends on, what you're good at and what you're not good at and what you're doing that's driving the business forward and where there's gaps that we could get somebody who is good at those things to create leverage um inside inside of the business.
0: I um, no no one of your superpowers also to build structure and uh, processes and things like that. So what where do you start to do that? When should we start to have processes and structure and how do we do it? Like because many of us entrepreneurs are like we can't build, we are, we are just visionaries. We have this big picture to digging down in the details and making a process of it. Uh, what do you, how do you do that?
1: So one, I would say you've already been doing and building structures and systems your whole life. You just don't know that you're doing it. Every single person that I know wakes up in the morning and has a system for waking up and going and brushing their teeth and getting ready in the that if you if you can do that you can build a system. Sometimes it's a little bit more complicated, but the basic thing is, it's not that you don't know you're incapable of building a structure or a system or even thinking about it that way. It's just that there's new variables that you haven't done before, and so the framework that I use um, is that what we're trying to do is we're every structure or every system that we build in our business, the reason that we're doing it is to give us leverage, right? And all, all leverage means is the amount of energy that I put in, I get more on the, outs- on the output, right? I get more out from what I put in. And, and so if we're doing everything ourselves, we don't have any leverage, right? Because the energy I put in is the result that I'm getting out. But if we build systems where, where things can start working without us, And we're looking at it, but we're not in it. That's when we start getting leverage because we can say, hey, let's do this. And then it gets done, but you didn't actually do all the work, right? And that's Hmm. effectively why we're doing this. And um, the building blocks of a system are important to understand. And they're really, really simple to understand. There's work to be done to put them in place. But a system is basically three things. it's people. Who's doing it? It's process. How are we doing it? And it's tools. What are we using to get it done? And anytime, anytime you have any challenge where something's just like you, you're solving the same problem over and over again, things aren't working consistently, you're not getting leverage, any of those things. Anyone who's listening to this, I just encourage you to come back to the simple three-step formula. People. Process and tools. Anywhere there's a breakdown in your structure, anywhere there's a breakdown in your system will come down to one of those three things. It either comes down to people, I, I don't have a person, or I have a person, but they're not clear on their role in the company. I have a person, but they're not the right fit, or any one of those things, right? So it's like, okay, well, now we know what problem we're solving. A lot of times when we're building systems, the reason that it feels complicated and overwhelming is because we just see this big problem, but we don't know how to break it down into a smaller problem. And if we realize that, that any time we're having those issues, it's either people, processes or tools, now we can start isolating the specific problem that we're having and we can actually fix it. right? because maybe we have great people, maybe they're, un- they're clear on what their role is, but we've never laid out a process. We've never asked them to lay out a process. We haven't agreed how it's supposed to get done, like how we're gonna measure it, how we're gonna manage it, like none of those things. And so everyone, like we might have a team of awesome people, but everyone's running around confused and stressed out because there's no process for it, right? Mm-hmm. And so those, those three things, will absolutely be the building blocks of any system or any structure that you're trying to create. And knowing those three things helps you isolate. Well, what's the thing that's slowing us down right now? Let's work on that. And then we'll fix the next thing after that.
0: Another thing that I've been more and more normal now, especially after COVID and all this thing is the remote team. And some entrepreneurs come to me and so say, like, oh, it's easy to meet people in office because then you have time for a coffee and you can sit down and talk. And, and this is gone when you're building a remote team. So what is your opinion on building remote team instead of a physical team? What is, is there any different or if it is, what, what, what should we think about?
1: Yeah, so I will, I will admit that I have been managing remote teams since 2006. Um, mm-hmm. So I've been doing it for a long time because I always thought that I would rather have the best people, regardless of where they happen to live, than to try and get the best people in my area. Just like I'm, it doesn't make any sense to me that everyone I work with has to live right near, my, like right near me. Otherwise, I can't work with them. Like I just that idea, just I don't know, didn't ever make sense to me. But I would say that the biggest thing for a remote team is. You've got to be extra diligent about culture and communication and culture. Culture is, you know, a lot of people substitute culture with, oh, well, we're going to get together and we're going to go and have a drink together or we're going to get a coffee or we're going to, you know, hang out in the office and all that. That's that's like an that's socializing. And I think culture is different. I think culture is a shared sense of mission and a shared sense of our values and what we're here to accomplish. And the number one thing for a team, whether you're in person together or you're remote, is do we all know why we're here together? Like, is this this a team focused on an outcome or is this just a collection of people who are coming here to get work done all the time? And what happens with physical environments versus virtual environments is the physical environments can, um, I would say, overcompensate because people feel good about being with each other. They can overcompensate for not having a great culture, right? It can be a substitute for a mission for the shared values that the team needs to have because there's a big difference between having a collection of people and having a team. A team is focused on... Mm -hmm a particular outcome. A team is focused on who are we? Why are we here? What are we trying to accomplish? And so, you know, first and foremost, I would say the biggest thing with managing a remote team, but also a physical team is make sure that everybody's clear on what what the culture and the mission and the vision of the business is so that they can really be there on purpose. And And when you have that, managing a remote team becomes infinitely easier. Of course, There's best practices around meetings and there's best practices around communication tools like Slack or things of that nature, right? Yes, we want to have those things in place, but Slack or project management tool or a meeting routine is never going to be a substitute for making sure that you have a team that's focused on an outcome and they're they're on the same page with the vision that the business is trying to accomplish. And who do we need to show up as? With the values that we have, in order to make that happen.
0: So, so you you work with uh, companies that want to scale. You know, I work with a lot of uh, successful and world famous entrepreneurs. What, what is the what is the biggest mistake you see? On when you go in, what is there? In, is there anything you see that are happening again and again with a pattern for entrepreneurs that try to scale, or when when they contact you and want help from you?
1: Man. Um... One, every, every company has problems. So you should know that. And I think that on uh, for a lot of entrepreneurs, we we see what other entrepreneurs are doing. And we always assume that everyone else has like got a perfect business and there's no problems. But I want to be really clear. Like I've I've seen the inside of hundreds and hundreds of companies at this point. Like I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly. And I, you need to know, first and foremost, everyone has problems. Hmm. Every single person, every single company has problems. Like there's no point at which you don't have challenges because you're you're growing, right? The only time you wouldn't have any challenges is if you were just like, all right, I'm, I'm done, right? Then hmm. then there's no challenge anymore. But as long as you're continuing to try and push forward and you're continuing to try and grow, you're going to have challenges. But I would say one of the most common ones is um, definitely around... Getting, getting the, the founder and the entrepreneur out of the day-to-day of the business so that there can be a business operation that's running and working without that individual. And it doesn't happen right away, and it's not supposed to happen right away. But there should be a focus on how do we build those systems, the people, the processes and the tools, in order to make that, in order to make that happen. So I think, I think that's one thing. The other, the other thing that I think is really um, uh, a widespread issue is that most, most entrepreneurs and business owners don't have a vision for what they want their business to do for them, in, in, in meaning, do they want to sell this business? Mm-hmm. Do they want to just get the business to a point where it's making a certain amount of money? do they want to get the business to a point where it's operating effectively and they can pull out and hire a professional manager to come in and i think that a lot of times we would we would be it would be faster for us to get where we want to go if we said where we want to go right cuz most people are just like i just want to build a really big business i want to get to 5 million 10 million 50 million 100 million it's like okay cool that's like it's awesome and that's possible but why? Why do you want to do that? And what do you want to do with the business when it gets there? Like, are you doing this so you can get more cash? Are you doing this because you want to be able to sell and do something new? Are you doing this because you want to build something and then move on to the next thing? Like, what is it? And I think it would be really helpful for every entrepreneur, even if you're just starting out, be like, what, back to that same question, what does success look like? Like, Mm -hmm. what does success look like? not just for me and not just for this business, but for my relationship with the business. Because if we're building a business, a business is, is and should be built with this idea that it's an asset. And why am I building this asset? Right? What am I, what do I want to do with it? And, um, and I think that is a really, really important question that not enough people are asking. And so, um, then once, you, once you're clear on that, then you can say, okay, cool. Now I have to build a team in order to do that. Or now I have to create strategic partnerships to do that. Or now I have to, you know, do all these different things. But at least we know what is our end game and we can work backwards from there. And I would say that is something that's very missing from a lot of people that I talk with and is really, really powerful if you start thinking about it.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I remember when I think it was a friend or a client of me who would say something. but Eric, you are building a, uh, you are building a big corporation. I just want to be alone. And I asked her like, so where do you want to be in uh, three years' time or ten years' time? I don't know. So, the, so I agree with you. there is so many entrepreneurs who just think also three and three months or six and six months or yearly, and and they don't have any end goal, and then they are, yeah, finished with. They retire, and, I don't, and the businesses just depend on them because they don't are building for the future. So I, yeah. I so agree with you. So, so what is the first step to to start to think about what is the end goal? How how do you have any advice on where do we start to find out where we want to go and how to make this vision or this end goal ready?
1: Yeah. So I I I do, and I think it's there's three there's three different choices. One. One is I want to build something so that I can be part of this business, but only focus on the things that I really love, right? I want, to, I want to make money. I want to have freedom. I want to be doing the things that bring me a lot of joy, that I'm passionate about, that I'm excited about. And so I think option one is let's build this so that I can have the role inside of this business that just makes me super excited. Gives me that freedom and gives me that money. I think that's, that's one option. The second option is I want to build this and then I want to own it, but I don't want to be part of it anymore. And I want to hire in a CEO or I want to hire in a general manager and, and an executive team to take over. And I'm going to still own this business with those people running it. And I'm going to just, and I'm going to collect a dividend. I'm going to get my profits and all of those things. And then the third thing is I want to build this and I I don't want to be part of it anymore and I don't want to own it and I want to sell it, Hmm. right? I have a desire to sell it. And I think if you boil it down to those three options, then you can look and say, all right, well, which one of those do I want at least now, right? Because it it might change in the future, but if you already know that you're building this with the intent to sell, you're going to do things differently differently than if you're building it with the intent to, I want to be part of this, but I just only want to do the things that I really love. right? And so Hmm. I think picking one of those three options is incredibly powerful so that you're saying, okay, this is is the track that I'm on and I can change my Hmm. mind later, but this is the track that I'm on right now. And that helps give clarity and meaning to all of the other decisions that you have to make in order to get there.
0: Hmm. And um, just curious, how did you start to teach this thing? What happened? Like, how did you get passionate for helping entrepreneurs with structure and systems and hiring process and things like that?
1: Yeah. You know, it was, I would say, honestly, it was was almost accidental because I was, uh, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I I left my corporate job in 2011. I started my own agency and consulting firm and we, we did well, but all i was focused on was sales right like you know i i love sales like i sold my swing set like i told you right and mm. so all i was focused on was sales and then next thing i knew we had we had all these other challenges and and i wasn't dealing with any of them and so i said okay well i can't just keep selling stuff and not dealing with any of these other things so i have to fix these other things and so you know, I, I started figuring things out and, you know, whiteboarding things out and spending a lot of time and energy on it. And, and I started making improvements. And, um, and I thought at that point, I was the only one who was having these problems. And I said, okay, well, once I fix these for myself, I'm just going to keep going along on the same path that I was going along. And at, at that same time, you mentioned him earlier, um, I've, I've known Russell Brunson for a long time. And we were talking one day and I shared with him what I had been doing for myself to build these systems, to get myself out of the weeds, to focus on the things that I thought I should be focusing on. And I shared it with him and it was quiet for a second. And I was just like, oh man, he mustn't like it. And then he said, I need this. I need this for me. Like, I need this. And I was just like, wow, that's crazy. Like Russell's such a you know successful entrepreneur. Like why would he need this? And so I said, mm-hmm. okay, well, I'll, I'll just help you. And so um, this is very, very early days of uh, ClickFunnels. And I helped him. I spent an after, you know, half a day with him and I showed him what I was doing and helped him get some stuff in place. And it made a huge difference for him. And, mm-hmm. um, and he started telling a lot of other people about it. He's like, hey, if you need this, like, you should just go talk to James. And then, next thing I know, everyone's asking me, "How do you do this?" And it was only then that I realized, oh, wait a second, I wasn't the only one who had these problems. <laughs>
0: yeah. And
1: uh, yeah. and so, so that's really how that that side of things started. Because for me, most of my career has really been spent on marketing and sales and in the digital world. And then, through, I would say, through necessity, I figured out how to build teams and systems and structures so that we could grow faster. Because the thing that I hate the most is moving slow. I want to be able to move fast. And I also don't want to have to kill myself to move fast. So Hmm. that's kind of how it started.
0: Hmm. Cool. Uh, And the last question I have for you, is there anything I'll peel or something you want to say, or I have two more questions, but uh, one of the last questions is like, is there anything I should ask you that you want to tell European or Asian Online entrepreneur, so coach and consultant. Like, uh, uh, yeah. Do you have anything you want to say?
1: Yeah, I I think that um, I've I've met I've met so many incredible people in Europe. I used to spend a considerable amount of time in Europe, and I've and I've spent a lot of time in Asia too. And I've I've managed teams in Europe, and I've managed teams in Asia. And I think that I love I love the enthusiasm of entrepreneurs, and I think here in the U.S. We, we have a little bit of a bubble sometimes where, you know, there's like all these things going on and then, and then you go outside into these other countries, you know, wherever they happen to be. And there's so many creative people. There's so many amazing entrepreneurs. There's so many people who are passionate about solving problems and growing businesses and, and making profits and making an impact and a change and a difference in the world and i've met so many of those people in europe in asia and like elsewhere and i would i would just say you know just keep going like this this game is the best personal development journey mm-hmm. you can ever be on like nothing mm-hmm. will ta- challenge you and test you to grow as a human being than being an entrepreneur cuz you're mm-hmm. faced every day with if i don't do this nobody will like this is my decision i have to figure mm-hmm. this out And that's Mm. confronting and it's, and it's really helpful. And so I would just say that, you know, certainly focus on, you know, building the teams and building and getting the sales and building the structure and all of that sort of stuff, but recognize that entrepreneur being an entrepreneur is, is a journey of building a business, but it's also a journey of building yourself Mm. and, Mm. and focus on that too, because that you, you, you and your business, your business will never outgrow your own personal capacity. Like you need to focus on who am I becoming? How am I becoming a better entrepreneur? How am I becoming a better CEO of my company? How am I becoming a better leader? How am I becoming a better decision maker? Like all of those things, the result is the business you create. What creates that result is who do you become? And so I would, I would love to share that. And hopefully that helps and inspires somebody.
0: Thank you. I love it. And last thing I think many are thinking like wow how can we reach them do you have any page or a freebie or something you can you want to sure. share with the, the listeners
1: Yeah so uh, everything's on my website it's jamespfriel.com. that's jamespfriel.com and yeah there's there's freebies there there's programs there there's all sorts of stuff um, and uh, yeah anyone who's interested in learning a little bit more, having some help, I'd I'd be thrilled to have them come and visit the page and go from there.
0: Cool. Thank you so much. This was really inspiring as usual. And thank you for doing this uh, and uh, still have a nice day.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate you having me. Cheers.
0: Thank you.